0: Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lanzo, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side.
1: And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We hope you'll stick around.
0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the BG Talk Podcast. This is episode 100. And as we are doing a Q&A episode every 10 episodes, we have a Q&A again for you today. So before we get started with the questions that you send in and that we'll be answering, um, I I wanted to look for a update on... Uh, how it's going at the moment. So Sarah, what are you currently working on? And what would you say is going well? And what would you say you are struggling with?
1: Yeah, so currently, I am finishing up the final edits, hopefully final edits on a paper um, that's based on my master's thesis. And I feel like it's one of those things that I've been working on for way too long, and I just want it to be done. Um, But I can finally see that, okay, I think we're maybe 90, 95% there, somewhere between that. So that's a good feeling. And it's really just editing now. Um, And I would say that's actually what's going well is that um, maybe other people can relate. I find editing a lot easier than writing. And so we're at the stage now where the ideas are on the paper, um, on the page, the structure will probably stay the same. The arguments will stay the same. It's just kind of fine tuning wording and, you know, making sure that all the formatting is in place and this and that. So that's a lot, I think it's lower barrier than um, really. Starting out. So that's quite a relief. And that's definitely something that's going well. What I'm struggling with, I would say, is I'm also still now working to set up the studies before we start data collection. And I think it's just one of those things that, um, I think it's hard to anticipate all the little problems that you'll run into. And so, um I think every week I'm finding, oh, I didn't think of this. I didn't think of that. Um, and kind of always having a little bit of stress of not knowing uh, what if it will go well. Um, and so I think that's something I'm struggling with a little bit. But I also know that there's something I need to kind of go through and I'm sure I'll learn a lot. And then um, when I do it the second time, hopefully it would be smoother.
0: Mm, how about for you? Yeah, so what I'm currently working on is pretty much wrapping up the semester. We're recording this in late December and uh, finals are in full swing. So I have uh, uh, some grading that needs to be done, some... Um, cajoling of uh, people to make sure that they submit everything so we can round up the semester, as well as uh, some last feedback that I promised to my graduate and PhD students on uh, things that they have sent to me. So there's a a sort of a lot of things coming together and uh, perhaps things that I was hoping or planning to do that I will need to to pause until the next year. Um, In terms of what is going well, would say then we so we moved to our new house at the end of october and it took a bit of a time for me to get adjusted to the fact that i have a commute and that i need to think of traffic and uh, uh see when to leave the house so that i'm not stuck in traffic and things like that and i think i i finally got that part sort of uh figured out and uh things are going smoothly. And with that, I can uh, um, have some of my routines in terms of uh, working out and, uh, and having some, some walks and time for myself uh, back in place. And what I'm struggling with, I would say that's pretty much uh, everything that is coinciding at the end of the semester and the uh, Never-ending onslaught of emails that is coming in with questions and and things that need to be done and uh, invoices and whatnot that need to be sent that all come together so that's a, a, a bit of a chaos I would say I can I can only imagine how, how much you have on your plate at this time of year yeah so yeah uh, we got a few questions that came in uh, both through Instagram and. Uh, Through my website, and the first one that came in—that came in through Instagram—is in the spirit of the holidays. How can one just unplug from work? I used to say that there is no holidays for grad students, but that is bad work culture. So, Sarah, what are you doing to unplug from work?
1: Um, I'm—I guess a lot of things, and I'd say for me, this hasn't really been as much of a struggle as I thought it would be in the PhD, and I give a lot of credit to the professors in our department who I think set a really healthy example um, and healthy culture there of what they expect from us. Um, and a part of what they expect is to also take time off. And so um, for me, I think just coming back to Canada and let, working a little bit while I'm here, but having that kind of geographical separation helps. Um, and then putting on my out of office and uh, not feeling any Pressure to respond to things or push projects further along, and just knowing that I can, um, I'll be more efficient in the new year if I also take some rest now, and um, and so, yeah, I think for me the you know because I look back at other jobs where I probably didn't have as much work life balance, um, I think having a culture supporting me um, and making those healthy decisions for myself has been uh, very helpful. Hmm. Yeah. How, how about for you, Ava? What are you um, doing to unplug from work? Yeah, I'm, I'm not
0: quite sure if I will be able to unplug fully over the Christmas holidays um, with some things that are still ongoing as we end the semester and uh, some things that perhaps I, I will need to to catch up on after Christmas. Uh, but generally what I do is similar to, to what you mentioned, put an out of office and Disappear and let things be the things they are, and uh, just uh, know that that it's okay to to take a holiday, and then uh, you'll deal with it
1: when when the holiday's over. Yeah, I I definitely don't agree with. There's no holidays for grad students. I think that's mm-hmm. very unnecessary. Yes, it's. I agree. I think uh, a holiday is always good. Yeah, and to be good. enjoyed. Exactly. Um, One question we received from the website was, what is your work from home setup? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious what your work from home setup is like, because normally I see you in your office, actually.
0: So during the pandemic, I played around with various setups. Um, I originally had a small desk in our apartment in a part where there was no daylight. And after working from home during the pandemic for a few months, I realized that that was not for me. I do need to see daylight. So I moved things around to have my desk in our bedroom. And that's the setup I currently have. But now that we have moved to our new house, I do find that it doesn't really work well in the room with the bed and uh, we have chest of drawers and then my, like I have this corner desk and then I also have like an extra desk next to it. And it's starting to feel first of all, very crowded the furniture doesn't really fit together. And um, yeah, it's not, it doesn't look good altogether. So I'm, I'm thinking of how to change that setup. I've also been, um, I've been working from home a bit this semester as my daughter has been sick like five times with the flu and other infections. And then I essentially worked from our dining table. That's also not really uh, a setup to, just in terms of chair and height, is not something to spend the entire day on. And I've also worked from, the sofa just using one of these IKEA things that you can put on your lap to have a solid base. And uh so I've been kind of migrating around the house and uh using various spaces and I still haven't really found what my what my best setup is and and uh, my one of my plans for the Christmas holidays is to finish unpacking and sorting and moving furniture around and try to figure out the setup in our bedroom in such a way that it's not the terrible mess that it's at this moment. So uh, hopefully in a few months from now, I'll have a better answer to that. How about you, Sarah? What does your work from home setup look like?
1: Yeah, so this depends a bit whether I'm in the Netherlands or in Belgium. And I would say if I'm in Belgium, then generally I'm at the office. Um, Otherwise, if I'm working in the evening there, that I'm on um, the sofa. Um, And in the Netherlands, it's also shifted. So if I'm at home, then I'm uh with you know actually at the dining room table because it's an amsterdam apartment and so it's quite small so my roommate and i sit facing each other and we could you know reach out and hold hands if we wanted to it's not a very big space um and fortunately as a phd student i don't have many meetings because um you know sitting in the same room you couldn't each have meetings at the same time so um fortunately yeah my schedule kind of allows for that although i found now that Covid is less of a factor. Um, it's been nice for me in the days when I'm not in Belgium um, to go out and work in a public library or in a cafe just to get a change of scene because I find it a little bit um, claustrophobic if I'm always at home. And I think also you now that I've been in the routine of spending more and more time in the office um, in Brussels, that um, it doesn't feel like much of a barrier to just get up and you know leave the house and go work somewhere day. So. Um that's a little bit of the setup. The other
0: question that I uh, got is, how can you attract differently-abled people to work for you? Which is maybe a, a bit question. of a curveball question.
1: Um, but yeah, I think it's a good one to address. So Sarah, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? I'd have to think about this. Also, because obviously, as a PhD student, the I'm very far away from the <laughs> point where I'd ever be um, attracting people to work with me. Um, or it would be the reverse, but hypothetically, I think, I think it would, part of it would you be first just thinking about your physical space. Um, I know in previous workplaces, this you know it was the onus was on the individual with a physical disability to make noise about how she couldn't work in the, our physical offices, and so I think that's something that I would first step. Are they going to be comfortable coming into the office? I think also, I mean, to be frank, your people's abilities or disabilities are not really an open conversation that we have in our department. And so maybe it's also just a step of having these conversations and trying to help employees feel comfortable talking about it, and then hopefully in that way also becoming more aware of what barriers might be in place. How about for you? What would you think, Ava? Yeah, I've been
0: pondering this question a bit in terms of how we can uh, how I would for example hire uh p g candidates with that are differently able and uh, i think it's it's certainly a challenge for the type of research that we do because a big part of it is laboratory work so that could be that would certainly require us to to rethink a number of things and i am my first idea was that oh that would be very difficult, but then i i kind of took a step back and said, no, we would just have to to find a way to to make it work and to, to see what we can do in the laboratory in, in terms of access and um, extra help and technician help, et cetera, to, to be to be able to make that possible. Um, because perhaps maybe somebody would have said 50 years ago, uh, a woman PhD candidate can never do these experiments because they have to lift Uh, steel plates and whatnot onto the setup and that's impossible so uh, I kind of tried to 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 rethink uh, here and and see what um, what the options would be and I think one of the things that I do have come across with students with master students is then um, we're not always aware of those who have who are neurodiverse and then and I've had master students that um, they don't tell me. So I, I just what you mentioned is that we don't have these conversations, and perhaps we're not at the point where people feel comfortable saying these. This is a condition, or this is how my brain works, or this is a risk, this this is how, or this activity tires me, or I have this uh, chronic disease that you don't see, and if I spent a whole day. Doing this, I will have a head-splitting migraine at the end of the day. So I, I, I do think it's it's something that we should bring more to the table. And how to do it and what we can do to hire people and make that possible is still something that I don't really have a good answer for, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think within our research, there's maybe more scope, especially it depends on your the nature of somebody's disability. But... I've seen actually at the VU Bay that it seems to be a pretty inclusive and accessible space for students. So that's been actually quite honestly a surprise. And that was more for, I would say, physical disabilities that you could, at least ones that I could just notice when I was walking around campus in the psychology department. Um, but I think it's, it's, I'm happy that this question came in because it's something that, um, as we both mentioned, it's not really a conversation that happens very often in our lunchroom. And so, need something to think about more
0: and the other question that came in uh, came in through instagram is which country provides maximum employment after a phd degree and i almost feel like this is a trivia question and uh, i didn't google it so i i, I think we can uh, perhaps look at it at how do you see employment in belgium and the netherlands after getting your phd is it something that in society is really valued as uh, a degree with as different from a master's degree,
1: and the same for Canada, perhaps? Yeah, this is a hard question. And I think I'd have to say first, one this depends on what you study, um, what your PhD is in, and two, what kinds of jobs you're you're looking for. I first read this question as looking within academia, but I think maybe I'll actually address this question on both sides. Um and so in the Netherlands and in Belgium, and I think this probably extends to uh, Germany and a number of Scandinavian countries as well. And I have the impression, at least, that coming from psychology research, it's the PhD is definitely a valued degree um, if you're trying to get a job outside of academia. So there's a lot of roles in you know user experience research. Um, if you want to stay more on the teaching. Re- There's certainly positions there Um, in, I don't know, career coaching or people analytics or behavioral science. There's a lot of kind of applications of our research that um, industry or companies would be looking for um, or looking for somebody who's an expert in that. Um, When it comes to academic (laughs) positions, I don't really know how it differs. I have the impression that maybe these universities are better funded um in the netherlands and in belgium than in other countries and i have a slight impression that it's actually easier to get a job when you graduate from a phd in belgium or in the netherlands and it would be in canada um but that's not based on any data (laughs) that's just kind of um speculation and again i have no idea how that would be different for uh, if you're studying something in the humanities or engineering um or economics i have I have no idea there. So um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts, Eva? Yeah, I think when I
0: look at the job market for engineering PhDs, I think there is absolutely, uh, internationally, there are many opportunities. Uh, we see in the Netherlands that those who graduate with a master's in civil, they have, I don't know how many uh offers given before they even graduate and uh, the same with and we see as well that those who are about to get their PhDs also uh, are very attractive to employers so I would say that for engineering and particularly civil engineering we see that the job market is good at the moment in uh, I would say in in what I see in the Netherlands Uh, Ecuador is it is a bit difficult at the moment because there's been a, um, a bit of a collapse of the construction industry. So it's a bit more difficult for anybody, whether it's bachelor's, master's, uh, to to find a position in, in the industry. And when it comes to finding employment after the PhD in an academic position, I would say that... Um, the opportunities also really lie in, for example, countries that don't have their own PhD programs, such as Ecuador. Then at some point the government decided that they were going to, um, reform higher education and really attract people with PhDs. So that, uh, and and that's also one of the reasons how both my husband and I uh, ended up moving to Ecuador and initially both got faculty positions and, um, And I've heard similar stories about, for example, the uh, countries of of the Arabic Gulf, uh, that they really want to attract people who got PhDs in North America or Europe. And uh, I think there may be similar opportunities in other countries who are um, rapidly transforming their higher education system. So perhaps that could be something to look into as well, if you are willing to make an international move, which is, of course, not always a given.
1: Yeah, it comes with some uh, some complications, but many opportunities as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, something that we do in every Q&A is also, this year, I guess, because it's, um, we're recording this at the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. Curious, Eva, what are the best books you've read in 2022? Yeah, so I, I looked back at what I've read in
0: this year, and I uh, I couldn't really make up my mind as which is the one single best book that I read this year. So I selected three, and all three of them are fiction. Uh, the first one is *Account of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas, which is uh, quite a long story, and I sort of put it off until... Uh, this year, and I uh, I always had this prejudice, it's like it was about a guy finding a treasure and, and whatnot, so I thought it was like this uh, little boy's adventure book, but it turned out to be uh, quite an, an epic story of, of friendship and redemption, and uh, uh, so so I quite quite enjoyed that. Interesting. I also really enjoyed reading This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger, which is uh, uh, a story essentially centered around the moving of the river and uh, of generations, and I quite quite enjoyed it as a, a big story. And I, I read it in the summer holiday, and it, it felt quite nice. And I also really enjoyed uh, Lauren Groff's Matrix, which is a fictional retelling of the life of Marie de France, which took place in the 12th century, and I had really no mental image of what life in the 12th century would look like and and I feel like this book has painted an image of that for me nice
1: how about you which are some books you enjoyed reading this year yeah so I have two favorites from from 2022 and the first is I hope that I pronounce this correctly but uru from hella hasse and so this is a dutch book and I mean for me that was also I spent a lot of time this year learning Dutch. And um, this was, I think, the first kind of real Dutch book that I read that wasn't for children. Um, and so this is a book that I think most Dutch students, and I don't know, maybe in Belgium as well, would read um, in high school, uh, I think when you're maybe 15 or 16. And it's about the friendship between a young Dutch boy and his Indonesian friend. And so it's set in Indonesia, I think, around the 40s, I want to say and just kind of um, about this boy growing up and recognizing the privilege that he has as a white Dutch person in uh, Indonesia, which was then a colony, and how that affects his friendship with uh, his friend. And um, yeah, for me, it was, I mean, both a marker of how far my Dutch has come that I you know, three years ago, I didn't know anything. And so that now that I can read a real Dutch book was quite nice. Um, but also to learn more about Dutch history and also the not very nice parts of Dutch history and actually quite topical given that I think it's either yesterday or maybe a few days ago that the Dutch, yeah, prime minister um, finally, I would say, <laughs> made a formal apology for um, slavery. And so um, I think, you know, seeing as I'm, Kind of integrating more and more into the Netherlands it's important for me to also learn about uh their the the dark sides of their history so that was um, a hard book to read um quite sad but an important one and then another favorite for me was Norwegian wood from Murakami and this yeah I think I wish every book could give me the kind of feeling that this one gave me of just constantly wanting to pick it up and there's a lot of I think a lot of people growing up probably can empathize to the struggles that the protagonist is going through figuring out your identity and how you relate to people and falling in love and your career and what your own values are going to be um and so i can definitely recommend that one
0: yeah thank you and to round off what is your love of the moment something that you are particularly enjoying at this moment
1: uh, for me, it's definitely being back in Canada with my family mm-hmm. and just getting to take some time away from work and see friends and really enjoy being here uh, without COVID restrictions. I
0: would say for me, it's the holiday season and everything that comes around it with the decorations. And uh, even though it's uh, it's always a bit weird in Ecuador because we have hot weather and sunny hot weather, and then there's Christmas decorations, which is like something that doesn't really compute in my mind. Um, but I do try to reserve the time to uh, go see the decorations. And I still have, uh, hopefully, one of these days, uh, we'll be able to go see Santa with my, with my daughter. And uh, we've taken our, our annual Christmas photographs. We're making the Christmas cards. So we, uh, and the house is decorated and everything. So we are quite enjoying the, the holiday spirit. Oh, nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good to hear. All right. So this has been episode 100, in which we did a Q and A. So we answered four questions that came in, and we also gave a bit of an update on what we're working on, and uh, looked at some books that we enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll be back next week with more on PG Life and research mechanics. Thank you so much for listening.